Can a book change your life? Or is it actually the book that changes your life or what you do about it afterwards? As you probably know, books have had an incredible impact on my life. They've changed my world, helped me to lose weight, become financially independent, build businesses, and just feel a little bit happier. So welcome to today's episode of The Rebel Entrepreneur, which is all about rebel books. And stay tuned right to the end of today's episode for a special announcement with someone very special to me. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So today is a very special episode and I'm very excited to have with me Laura Paul. Welcome to the show, Laura Paul. Hello. <laughs> now, Laura, how did we meet? When was, I, I remember it very vividly, but how did we meet? So we met in Newport. My mum attended a rebel business school and, well, I was supposed to be coming home to see her and she wouldn't, like, she was like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to come and see you. <laughs> Um, I was home for three days, I think. And she's like, I can't. I was like, I'm home for three days. And she's like, I'm at this course. I'm like, what course? So I, I ended up going along with her at lunchtime. And, and all of her friends that she'd made there were like, yeah, you should come up. Just come up and listen. It's free anyway. And I went up and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And my mum was like, Laura, you're really confused about life right now. Come and talk to Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I remember her as like, this is Laura, talk to her. And then I was like, okay, hi, Laura. <laughs> I wasn't even on the course and you still, like you sat down, you had the time of day for me while eating your salad. You were like, is it okay if I eat and chat? Is that is that cool? <laughs> yeah, like there's no time to eat when you're on those courses. It's like at lunchtime, everyone has questions. So I just need to cram salad down and then eat. And I used to take my homemade salad to every single course Katie and I calculated the other day that uh, making homemade salads for that number of years saved us £35,000 when wow. we invested the money and saved it instead. So uh, yay to the power of homemade salads. Yes, salad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we've met. You, you've sort of been involved with Rebel Business School. You've worked with us for a bit. Now you're a consultant and a contractor and you've done all sorts of things. It's quite incredible. But we're here today to talk about books and book club. So like, where did your interest in books come from? Why did you start a book club? How, how have we ended up here? Well, first of all, um, I've not really been very interested in books. Um, I'm dyslexic. <laughs> I've always had this like limiting belief that I can't read. I mean, I still don't read technically. I listen to books. And the book that it started with was the Jen Sinchura, You Are a Badass. And oh. I bought this and I bought this book for my mum. It's a great book. I absolutely love that book. So you bought it for your mum. So that still doesn't explain how we're here. <laughs> You've given away a book without reading it. So I bought the book for my mum and it was her birthday. And I sat down and it was the first day of lockdown um, or maybe the day before. And I sat down in an Airbnb with my mum and I read the first page to her. And as I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, this book is me. I need to read this book. <laughs> and then there were two of us reading it. So I was like, well, if you're going to be reading it, I'm going to get it on Audible so I can listen to it. And why don't we start a book club together? 
I love and then that. I just posted online. I was like, who wants to join? Like, we're going to read this book. I think it might be a book that Alan recommended. So I re- messaged people at Rebel and I was like, hey, would you like to join? And it was lockdown. Nobody had anything better to do. And we would meet twice a week <laughs> to read this book. <laughs> so you'd meet twice a week at the start. Yeah. So twice a week. I think it was like um, on a Tuesday and Thursday. So how did you are a badass... Uh, and don't say that in a very American accent, do I? But you are you are a badass. Uh, how did that book? I love that book. It really impacted me. It made me think differently about positivity. I loved that book, and I was telling everyone about it at the time. How did it impact you? What was what was the impact of that? Every time I read it, like <laughs> so, it, it was it was quite funny actually. Something would happen in my life. I would talk about it, and then the next week we would read a chapter, and I was like oh my gosh, this is about like, this is happening in my life right now. (laughs) So so I just felt a massive connection with this book. But I think the biggest thing was it taught me to invest in myself. So after Mm. reading this book, I went on like my coaching journey, and I ended up learning to coach. And it just pushed me in a different direction. Interesting. So what was the impact of having people to do it with you? Because I know quite often people get recommended books, they buy the book, they read it in isolation, and that's the end of it. What changed when you've got a group of people that you're doing it with, discussing it with? Well, one of the reasons I wanted to do it with people was because I thought that might force me to actually finish a book. So because so what we do is we break it down and we're like, okay, so before next time, we're going to read this, this and this, and then we're going to discuss it. And the thing about doing that is when you discuss the book, someone else sees it in a different way to you. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. So you're like, oh, wow, like I read it and this is what I thought of it, but you read it and you got this, this and this out of it. So it's almost like you're reading it once and getting some information and then you go to the book club and then you get like new information from the same bit that you've read. Yeah, I always found that amazing with the courses is like I would deliver the course and then at the end I'd say to people, what did you get out of it? And there would be like 50 different answers. And I'm like, you were all on the same course. I said the same thing to every single one of you and you all have a completely different learning. And then sometimes people would go, yes, my learning was this. And I'm like, I didn't even talk about that. Well, that wasn't (laughs) even in the subject matter. How did that happen? But something I said inspired a thought that trickled down to this, that led to this. And it's really interesting how it works. And I love the idea of book clubs and masterminds, I guess, is another term for something like this. My wife, Katie, and I have a book club with some of our friends. And once a week, we get together with a different book. We've done all sorts of different books. And actually, book club is mostly not books, which is really quite interesting. Book club has been CD sets, that's very old school. Audio files, MP3s, <laughs> I don't know, whatever the modern version of that is. And recorded video courses. I don't know if you've ever done any of the uh, Jim Rohn success seminar weekends. Have you heard of those? No, I, I know similar things. So I've done like a, a Tony Robbins one of them. Yeah, the Jim Rohn is very different to Tony Robbins in style and delivery, but he's excellent. And Tony Robbins actually started. Jim Rohn was Tony Robbins' first experience of self-development. So he went on a Jim Rohn seminar. He got completely bought in. He bought all of his stuff. Then he worked for Jim Rohn selling it. And that's actually Tony Robbins' start in the self-development world, which I find fascinating. Yeah, so the it was a sort of, we bought the video for a three-day weekend. I think it was called the 
weekend success seminar or something like that. And we brought the video for that and we would watch like an hour a week and then discuss it at a book club. And it was incredible what you learn, what you think, what you get out of it. And I think you're right. It's the accountability of having someone that you've promised to do it by next week. Otherwise it never happens. Yeah. And every week I still, the day before I'm like sat there reading as fast as I can. (laughs) Well, not even the day before, usually like a couple of hours before, (laughs) but it means I do it every every week. I do it. I I still do it. And because I I listen to books um, and I I assume that you sometimes read books. Do you Mm -hmm. think there's any difference? Do you think there's any difference between reading a book and listening to a book? Yes, there is a difference. And I think you've got pros and cons of both sides. One of the pros of the audio is you get the intonation and the sound of the voice. And depending on who's reading it, like some of the books are read by the author and you can almost feel their energy through the audio and it's a different experience. I actually really, really love it. The challenge you've got is when they ask you questions and set you exercises in the audio you then have to transcribe it, which I'm sure the listeners to this podcast have felt like Alan's reading out questions for us to answer. Now I've got to sit there, like I've got to go home after listening to the podcast, load the podcast, transcribe the questions. Like it's a bit more difficult to do. I actually really love reading on Kindle. And the reason I do is it has a highlight feature. So you can just literally drag your finger over the text. So if there's an exercise or a bunch of questions, I highlight it, and this is where I get super geeky, Laura, is I highlight it, then you can log on and get your highlights, and I copy them into OneNote. Everyone knows I'm a geek, uh, but you know, use whatever notebook you want. And I copy them in there, and I will go through and answer the questions one by one in written text, and I will type my answers, and I will work out what I'm doing about it and create next actions from it. And I think the downside of an audiobook is that's difficult to translate it into answering those questions and taking those direct actions. I do have a little hack, though, for doing it on the audio, because I, I do the same as yeah. you. So if I do it on a Kindle, I highlight it. And I've discovered, I remember the first time I discovered that you could get the notes from the Kindle. I was like, yes, this is incredible. I don't have to write anything out. <laughs> But what I now do when I'm listening um, to the audio is I pause it, I open OneNote, and I then talk to it and what it says. Or if I've got my computer open, sometimes I open OneNote, I put on the thing so so it's listening to it and it starts typing, and I put my phone to it. Oh, I love <laughs> so that. So it types out the question for me. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's how I've got around that. That's genius. Uh, so. <laughs> I feel like that's a challenge for everyone listening. Go back to the practical self-development episode of this podcast. Put me in front of your computer and see if it will type out my British accent. And that would be hilarious to see what it thinks I'm saying. That's a genius hack. I'd never thought of doing that where you actually play the audio to the computer, which does do audio to text. Or I repeat it. So I like, I pull, if, I, if I'm out walking and it's on my phone, I like pause it and I'm like talking then to, to my OneNote to take the notes while I'm out. I love that. That's genius. That is a great, great hack. Because one of the things I've discovered over the years, it's about what you do with a book that counts. And I know that will sound obvious to everyone listening. But even though it's obvious, most people don't do it. Because I talk to them about books and say, have you read this? Have you read that? And they're like, oh, yes, I've read this, 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 and this. I'm like, okay, why aren't you doing it? Uh, and then they look a bit confused. I'm like, well, it says to try this in the book and do this. And I'm like, 
have you implemented it? And they always say, no, we haven't yet. And I find it really interesting, the amount of people who read a book without doing anything. I think that we sometimes have that uh, trouble in book club where we read loads of books and then it's like, cool, we've read these books. Like, yeah, maybe we're a little bit smarter now, but if we're not doing it, then was there any point in reading it? Like, maybe there is. I mean, there's an argument that even reading the books is good, but I feel like we could implement them better. There is definitely the argument that you will learn your mind is expanded, your way of thinking improves and it changes. There's definitely an argument to be made for just reading the book is good. But if you don't do the exercise, if you don't implement, have you on book club read The Simple Path to Wealth yet? We haven't as a group because most of the group have read it. Because they've been to rebel finance school, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that would be a really interesting one because there is basically a very, very simple answer Where's the clues in the title, isn't it? The Simple Path to Wealth. It is invest in a broad-based Vanguard index fund and get going. Then you're going, okay, there's a really easy test here. How many people have done that from that book? And that's really fascinating because some of the other books are a bit more nebulous. Like how do you actually implement it? What do you actually do about it? But that one has such a simple, clear path to what you need to do. What's your feeling? Do you think from the people who've read it, they followed through? Have you followed through, Laura? I have a confession, Alan. <laughs> I haven't read the book. It's oh, on the list. No. <laughs> on the list. Okay. I own, own the book. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a fantastic book. I think he's got the audio book where he reads it out. That's what I own. It's it's in it's on my phone. It's like in in the to read list. Okay, cool. Excellent. I think that's the key bit, though, is what have you actually done about it? And here's a challenge to everyone listening to this podcast. What's the last five or 10 books that you've read? Go through your list on Audible, go through your list on Kindle, uh, go through your bookshelf if you're your proper book readers and like the smell of books, which I do, but I can't carry them around the world when I'm nomadic. Go through that list of books and ask yourself the question, what have I changed? What have I done about this? Has anything changed? Have I done anything about this? Because I think it's, it's really fascinating when you start to look at that and work out, have you actually implemented the books? So question for you, Laura, you were talking about Jen Sincero, the I am, you are a badass book what changes has that made? How has that impacted you? It was two years ago that we read it. So I mm. find it hard to pinpoint <laughs> wh- like what parts of what books did what. And and when we talk about old books in book club now, I'm like, we learned this. Was it from this book or was it from that one? Because that one's like that <laughs> one. And the thing with this book though is we, for me, because I was leading book club, I was writing down things from the chapters because I'm mm. listening I, I realized I had to write down notes. And because I was writing down notes to talk about, that meant that I was taking it in better. But what I loved about that book is like at the end of the chapter, she gave you something to do. Direct so straight action. Away, yeah. So straight away, like we were doing these actions and we're talking to each other, like, have you done this? Like, have you tried doing that? Have you tried doing this? 
I think the book that had the most impact on me, like quick impact, was probably The Miracle Mornings because straight away mm. he's like getting you to do it. And like day one, you see a difference. And I was like, oh my gosh, like before I've done anything, I've gone out shopping, I've bought some fruit on the market. And like my whole day is is done by midday. Like I've done what I'd normally do in the day by midday. Then you see a direct application, direct results, and that just inspires you to do more. That's that's what I found is if I see results from a book, I'm like, wow, give me another book, give me another book. And I suddenly become a hungry, voracious reader that wants to devour <laughs> knowledge and implement it. <laughs> I get caught on um, on authors though. Like I, I, I mm. went. So we read the the You're a Badass by Jen Sinchero, and then we read the You're a Badass at Making Money, and mm. I was like, Yay, it's her! Like, Yay, it's her again! And then we changed to another book, and I was like, I don't like it. I don't like this book at all. No, this this book is not for me. And then like two chapters, and I'm like, Yay, I love it now. <laughs> <laughs> so every time we change a book, I'm like, I'm like, I don't like this new book. <laughs> I do get stuck on authors and styles. And I find an author that has had an impact on my life and it makes me want to read every book they're doing. And I've actually started Tony Robbins' latest book because every book I've read from him has had some kind of an impact on me. I later then find better books. Please take this the right way, Tony, but Money Master the Game, 900 pages. No one needs to read that when you can read The Simple Path to Wealth in like 250 pages and get a more concise, better answer. But that first book by Tony Robbins sent me on the path to financial independence. And then I found out about Fi through it. So I think it's interesting, like you get stuck on an author and a style and an energy and you fall in love with it. Jen Sincera was definitely one of those. Tim Ferriss's first three books were those books for me that completely hit me. God, The Four Hour Body. Did you read, uh, not The Four Hour Body, The Four Hour Work Week. Did you read that one? Yeah, I read both of them books, The Four Hour Work Week and The Four Hour Body. But The Four Hour Work Week, just, I was like, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like what? This exists. <laughs> <laughs> it was mind bending. Absolutely mind bending. It blew me away because I didn't know that type of life existed. And he had a similar thing uh, with a different exercise at the end of each chapter, which some were very challenging. I remember particularly the confidence one and dealing with uncomfortableness. Do you remember that exercise? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. You had to go to a cafe and lie down in the floor in the middle of everyone. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that? Uh, I didn't do it in a cafe. I've done it in presentations uh, and I've done it at team meetings. I remember arriving at a team meeting once and they hadn't set up the room. So I just lay down right in the middle of the room. <laughs> everyone there is a bit weird. I have done things like that before. I'm not yeah. afraid to stand out. <laughs> I'm definitely getting more used to uncomfortableness. And that was the start of the realization that uncomfortableness was part of the journey and it's something to be experienced. And I think I really started to then realize that your success in life is directly related to the number of uncomfortable moments you can sit through. You have to complain. You have to challenge. You have to stand out. And it's uncomfortable. So with books, Laura, tell me, what are the, the top books you've read at the book club that have had an impact? For me or for other people? For everyone, yeah. So one of the biggest ones that had the most impact on people, I think, is Atomic Habits. People say Ooh, that again James and again. Clear. 
Yeah, people say that over and over again, that that book had a massive impact on them. And when when new people come, they're like, can we read that book? I'm like, we've just read it. (laughs) (laughs) And I've read it twice now. And what I love about reading a book again is that you get different information from it. Mm. Like, Have you found that? Have you reread books and you've got different things from them? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just recently reread Notes from a Friend because... I am writing my first ever book, uh, which I've just published the introduction on my blog. And I was like, this this was the book that had the most impact on my life. This was the book that started me on my journey. And I reread it and it's like, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. And you you are a different person when you read it again. You're a completely different person. So I think it's fascinating to see the different insights, the different ways of looking at it. And sometimes you're like, oh, this feels so basic now having read it 20 years after I first read it and other parts of it, I'm still like, Oh, I haven't quite handled that yet. (laughs) Um, and you get a completely different perspective. And I do, I do love that. I do love that. I, it's a fine balance between the voracious search for new knowledge versus practicing the basics. And actually that's one of the things that I'm most interested about now. I think for, a good decade, I was like, give me the latest way to do business. Give me the newest way to lose weight. Give me the, you know, I want the new thing, the new way to do it, the new stuff. And that search is not always useful. Sometimes you find some incredible stuff, but actually the question is, are you doing the basics well? And this really struck me. We made friends with a fitness coach in Mexico And she was saying about doing the basics and just like doing a correct squat. And if you want to get fit, if you want to do that, like that one exercise, if you can do it incredibly well with perfect form. And after 25 years of training for her, she still goes back to like do the basics and do them well. And I think in the search for new, sometimes we don't actually do the basics well. And before you buy a new book on the latest way to eat, it's like, are you doing what you know you should? Like, are you sleeping well? Are you exercising? Uh, is your diet relatively healthy without like processed foods and Pringles? I'm not sure why I'm picking on Pringles. It's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> um, and are you eating vegetables? And like, are you doing the basics? And after we've done the basics and we are consistently performing well there, then we can start to really expand the stuff. But I think there's a huge amount to be said for just, are you doing the basics well? And and that's what I what we found with reading all of these books is that quite often it's not new lo- knowledge. They're just saying it in a slightly different way. And and that's good as well because it reminds you, it reminds you to come back to it. It reminds you like, oh yeah, we learned that and we thought that was amazing, but are we doing that? No. Now this book mm-hmm. is saying it. Maybe we should go back and start doing it again. Yeah, and the book says it in a different way. And I've it's interesting. It's very interesting. I I'd been saying like certain things about there's more work than can ever be done to my wife, Katie. And I've been saying that message for a long time. Then she read the book 4,000 weeks and that having that book say, like, I felt like it was saying the same message I've been saying for a long time, but that book struck her and it completely went into her mind, into the way she thought and it changed instantly. 
And I think it's incredibly useful to have different voices, different authors, different messages, different way of saying things. Podcasts are particularly useful because you have different people coming on and talking about the same subject and one of them will really strike you. So I think that's super important to have those different messages because maybe Tony Robbins' overly wordy style of writing books is not going to sort you out and several of his books are too big but other books <laughs> like Jen Sincero she says it in such a concise beautifully written engaging way like that book had a huge impact on me and I've been doing self-development for years yeah I think her writing impacted me massively as well I think that inspired me to blog because she's just so raw and real and I was like oh wow I don't have to write in a way that I thought I should write actually I could just write whatever and it, it doesn't matter well, it should be you. It should be your voice. It yeah. should be you connecting. So what else is on the list of books that you've got in front of you that have impacted people? Because James Clear, Atomic Habits, I absolutely agree. It's a fabulous book. And I guarantee that a lot of the listeners to this podcast have read it. The question is, are they doing those basics every day? Uh, but we'll come back to that another time. What else is on the list? Think Like a Monk. That was um, a, a good book. It was different to any of the others that we'd read before because they were very, um, your typical self-development book, whereas this was more, felt more maybe spiritual. Um, and it was still saying the same kind of things, but I felt like when we, um, when we read that, I learned some new things. So I actually stopped biting my fingernails for the first time in my entire life after reading that book. And the book wasn't even about that. <laughs> that wasn't even what he was saying. And he says something about, um, so, so this is Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Um, and he says something like about that the monks put a band on their wrist and every time they have a negative thought or they think bad about someone, they take it off and they put it onto the other wrist. And I started doing that to bring awareness to me. So I, I bite my fingers terrible. And I started doing it to bring awareness to me biting my fingers. And within three days, I stopped. That's incredible. And nothing has ever phenomenal. stopped me before. I've tried everything else. I've done the whole, like, you know, you paint your nails in something that tastes disgusting. After three days, like, I just dealing with the disgusting taste and, and like, <laughs> I don't care anymore. Like, nothing else has ever stopped me. And so you've actually found a book I haven't read, which I love. Um, how, much, how much does that book cost? Do you have a rough idea? Um, I have no idea. I bought it on, actually, I did buy it for someone. I think I bought it when it was new and it was about £12. So £12, like probably $16, $17. And how much was it worth to you to stop biting your nails? Um, yeah, more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite interesting because when you look at the value a book represents, I don't think there's many things in the world that are better value. Because you talk about going to the cinema and you can get entertained for 25 bucks for an hour and a half. Or you can buy a book for less that can literally help you become financially independent, build a business, stop biting your nails and change your life positively. What incredible value. You know, people whinge about paying for books. But I tell you what, I haven't found anything in my life. Maybe a free podcast can rival it just because it's free. If you think about a book, so I'm currently writing a book. And basically, I'm taking 20, I read my first self-development book at 21, so I'm 43 now. So it's 22 years of taking in self-development knowledge and working on improving my life. And I've spent 
2012, I launched my business in uh, 08, worst possible timing, and it's now 22. So 14 years I've been running self-development courses and giving talks. I'm packing the best of what I could possibly think into a book. So you're getting like my best from my entire life in a book and it'll cost you, I don't even know what mine will cost yet because I haven't decided traditional publisher or self-publish. But if you think of that value, can you think of anything else that delivers that value, Laura? I feel like I'm put on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) That's generally what podcasters do. (laughs) No, I, I don't think there is anything else. Then why don't more people read books and do it? Why don't people read more books and actually implement it? Like what, what stops us? Why does this happen? I don't know. <laughs> for me, so for me, it's always been the excuse of I can't read a book. I can't sit still that long enough. I can't. And, and I hear other people say it as well, that they can't read books. And just now there's so many ways you can read. Like you can watch things on YouTube where people talk about the book you can listen to it on an audiobook you can read it on a Kindle which I love because there's this dyslexic font now and you can make the font really big so I can read I I would really struggle reading a book but now there are just so many other ways to do it I always remember Laura this is it reminded me there was a young gentleman that worked for Rebel Business School for a while he was super young and I was frustrated with his performance. Sometimes he would do amazing stuff and then he would vanish for days and I felt like he wasn't doing anything and I would talk to him about what he needs to do and it would never happen. And I'm sure you've heard me state the expression, never trust someone who doesn't write the things down um, because you know they're not going to do them. And he never wrote anything down and sure enough, he never did it. And I was trying to get him to do this and do that. And I was like, you need to read this book, Getting Things Done by David Allen, like read that. Uh, And he wouldn't read, he wouldn't read. And I'd try and press him and I'm like, do it on work time. I will buy you the book, do it on work time. I'm paying you to learn. And then it was like, he, he wouldn't read. So I said, okay, watch these YouTube videos. I was like, he was into YouTube. So I was like, watch these YouTube videos. It's very stereotypical. I was trying to force a young person to watch YouTube. And Like eventually, after about a month of me seriously pressuring him, he flipped and went, you cannot force me to learn. (laughs) Well, it's true. You can't force people to learn. He is is 100% correct. I think he was working for the wrong organization, (laughs) given what we do. But it's fascinating the resistance people have to change, to learning, to growth. And I'm assuming the people listening to this podcast you're listening to this podcast because you do want to change, learn and grow, but you've probably experienced this with people around you, people who work for you, people who work with you, that they just don't want to do anything different. Have you experienced that through book club or is it self-selecting? So you only get people who turn up who do want to do it. Um, I would say that we get a combination. So we get mostly people who want to do it and want to do what the book says and the challenges and the questions. But even so, even with the people who want to do it, even me sometimes, I don't do it every week because I got other things to do. You know, I got work to do. I've got this to do. So sometimes even I don't do it every week. But yeah, so we definitely have people who come to book club just to read. 
And they just read and they just enjoy reading. But it, there is definitely a pressure to do stuff because each week I'm like, so what are we going to do for next week? <laughs> what can we and I do pick on people like poor Kerry. I've been picking on her for the past few weeks. And I'm like, right, next week, Kerry, you're going to have started. She's like, but that's like jumping through hoops. I'm like, okay, well, jump through one hoop before next week. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Make it happen. Um, so like, I do think there is genuine value in a book club as opposed to doing it in isolation. I do it in my personal love. I think it's fabulous. If any of the people listening to this are inspired to join, how do they find the Rebel Book Club? How do they join you on this? Do you do it, still do it twice a week? Is it weekly? Is it once a month? What's the format now and how do they find you? So it's just weekly now. Uh, I don't think we could cope with twice a week anymore. <laughs> uh, so we do it on, it's currently on a Tuesday at 6.30pm UK time. Um, we do have people from the States as well, especially Susan, who comes every week. Shout out to Susan. <laughs> Hi, Susan. She, she, she makes us international. <laughs> um. So if you want to join, you can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. So if you search for The Rebel Book Club, you should be able to find us through that. When I just searched for it, it actually was the third one down. There is another Rebel Book Club uh, that's a page, a community service, but it was the third one down. And you'll see it's got a logo for Rebel Book Club that's just like the logo for Rebel Business School and Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast. And then you'll see a bunch of the characters from Book Club reading the books, and you'll be able to spot Laura in the picture. Well, you won't, because you won't know who Laura is, but you'll be able to find her there. So <laughs> look for the Rebel Book Club if you want to join. What's the book you're reading currently? Uh, we're currently reading The Ultimate Sales Machine, recommended oh. by the Alan Donegan. By Chet Holmes, The Ultimate Sales Machine. Now that is a challenging book with a completely different way to think about sales. What's been the reaction? What have you thought about it? Where are you up to? What's happened so far? So we've had some mixed reactions with this book. Like the first chapter, we were all like, wow, like we can do this. And it's telling you what to do. And it's like, you've got to implement it straight away. And he talks about like, he's not starting with the sexy stuff. He's starting with the stuff like from the very beginning. So if you're doing it, you need to do this at the beginning. And we were all like, yeah, this is great. Okay, so then the book changed and it started to become more about if you've got a company, if you've got a business, then your sales team can do this. And, and a lot of people in the book club, are, myself included to a degree, are a bit like, your brain's like, oh, this bit isn't for me. I don't have a big company, la la la, it's not very relevant. But what I'm finding is there are nuggets of gold in every single chapter. And that's one of the things I struggle with when the book... When I feel like it's not flowing and I'm not loving it, I find it hard to keep reading. It's really tough when the book changes angle and it has a different part and you're like, this is not directly relevant to me. However, the way of thinking, and this is what I found with The Ultimate Sales Machine, was it talks, there's a whole chapter on hiring salespeople and how to do it and how to find them. And he goes through all sorts of different bits. And I'm like, I'm not ready for that. I'm nowhere near it. However, when he says what he's looking for in salesmen, how to manage salespeople, I'm like, this is all, basically, this is what I have to do for myself. I have to be this person that he says to look for. But it's really challenging to see that angle and do that bit. And it also, the stored information of learning about how do you run a sales team will help you with your business. 
And there is the practical elements of like sending out the letters with the, the, the thing in it, like the little troll or the whatever, or the, we used to do it. Have you read those chapters yet? No, we haven't got that far oh. yet, but I have been to a rebel business oh. school. <laughs> um, well, you're going to find out where a lot of the inspiration comes from that I actually, so I took that book and I implemented so the next week I was writing letters. I was stuffing the envelopes with different things in them. I was sending them out. I was, I don't think I did it perfectly, but I did it. I did it. And that's the thing. When you're talking about a book like that, like it feels like a large investment to read for however many hours to do the book, but the value you can get out of it, every single book I ever read on sales, my income went up. And what more can you ask? I think that's why we decided to do a sales book next. It's like everybody was like, yeah, we we need to do a sales book. <laughs> it's also ultimately uncomfortable because most people hate making calls, doing sales. And when they're reading their book, their brain is going to be going, what can I do to get out of this? What can I do? I'm going to tell the rest of the people on the course that this isn't relevant because I'm never going to run a big company. So we don't need to read this book because I want to avoid the pain that I know is coming up where it's going to ask me to make calls, send letters and do work. And I, the only reason I know this, Laura, is because it's what I used to do. I would much rather spend an hour developing a website than making sales calls. It's just more comfortable. It's just nice. It's just less painful but it doesn't lead to results. And I guess it depends what we want in our lives. Do we want a comfortable life where nothing changes? Or do we want a slightly uncomfortable life where we actually make progress on our goals? I felt I felt myself resisting as well with this book, like before doing it, before doing a sales book, I'm like, shall we do it? Come on, let's do it. And even me, I'm like, nah, let's not do it. <laughs> let's just avoid it. Let's put it off. Let's go back to the ones that talk about mindset. <laughs> But that's why I like book club, because then it makes me do stuff. So I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it. I'm doing it for you guys. I'm doing it for you. <laughs> I'm really, yeah, and really it's like a selfish, that's why I, I, I started book club. Like it wasn't really for people. It was for me to make me do stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a rare individual that actually reads a book and then goes through the pain of implementing it on their own. I had to find people to do it with at times. And this book, I found a friend that was running a different business and we did bits of it together. And then I found it hard to sit at home on my own and do it. I had to find people to do it with. So do you have a system for doing it, for, for implementing books? My system for implementing books is, number one, copy out the exercises. Number two, write my answers. And then number three, decide on what specific actions I'm going to take on each and every chapter. And the bit that, I don't know if you've listened to the Rebel Entrepreneur coaching series, but at the end of each episode, I look at the person I'm coaching and say, so now's the time of the episode where you get to decide what you're committing to for next time we speak. And they always look a bit awkward and a bit uncomfortable and we like come up with a decision of what to do. But you have to get used to forcing yourself to do that because you don't have me staring at you all the time. And I had to get used to doing that for myself. Like I've read this chapter, what am I actually going to do? Because there's no point reading it unless something changes, something happens. And with this particular book, the main strategy, which I love, is called the Dream 100. And 
it's actually, he's done a really good job. Like good books will make it very easy step by step. Here's what you actually need to do. And he made it very easy. Pick the hundred people you want to work with, write them a letter with a thing stuffed inside and then make a call and do it every two weeks until you get an appointment. That sounds awkward and uncomfortable, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to follow through and we're going to do it. And it led to winning Alliance Insurance, which is one of the biggest insurers in the world. I was doing workshops and courses for them, and that's what it led to. And did I win everyone on the Dream 100? No. Did I implement it perfectly? No, but I did it. And I think it's that clear, what am I committing to? I think if you can leverage something like book club where you go along to the book club and then at the end of the book club, you say, this is what I will do by next week and actually state it to other people. I think one of the things I've learned over the years is people will do more for other people than they will for themselves. So if you commit to someone else that you're going to do it, it's far more likely to happen than if you're like, I've read this book. It was really nice. So Those are kind of my steps, but I think the real one is what are you actually going to do? And then just doing it, We then you go back to Atomic Habits and you split it down to, okay, I'm not going to come up with 100 companies in a day. I'm going to do half an hour's research each and every day, and I'm going to do it right at the start of the day. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to make it easy for myself. Atomic Habits would say you need to change your identity So actually, we need to work on my identity as a salesperson because I don't see myself as a salesperson currently, but I am. I am the lead salesperson for my company. So I'm going to believe I am a salesperson and I'm going to act like a salesperson because it's consistent. Like the example James Clear says is about um, being an athlete. Does an athlete even think twice of getting up and going to the gym or going for a run? No, it's because it's who they are at an identity level. Whereas if you don't see yourself that way, it's really difficult. And I think the same is with sales. And so I think the combination of these things and then taking action, then I guess one of the magic steps is if you have problems, talk to someone about it. which I don't think many people do. They run a mini experiment of what's in the book. It goes wrong. And then they go, well, that book was shit, wasn't it? Never mind. I'll move on with my life rather than going, what was, what was up with my mini experiment? We got some feedback that was not what I want. What worked? What didn't? Where do I go? And I think it's so easy to discount authors and books as bad Whereas it's quite often not the author or the book. It's the situation. It's a slight tweak on the implementation. It's something about your mindset when you've approached it. Like you can make a sales call and say exactly the words in the book. But if you do it with nerves, if you do it with a question intonation, I'd really like to meet you and talk about my product. Like this it's a different feeling. You've said the words, but it's not going to work because you haven't got the confidence and the tone and the energy. So I think that closing the loop of the mini experiment and getting feedback is so critical. And then you come back to book club and you go, I tried it. It didn't work. Help me work out why rather than condemning poor Chet Holmes for writing the masterpiece of his life about sales as not good. (laughs) What are your thoughts about that? That was a longer answer than you were probably expecting, Laura. Well, first of all, I wrote down, I am the lead salesperson for my company. I'm just going to write that everywhere from now on. (laughs) I thought that was brilliant. (laughs) 
And secondly, I, I love what you said about feedback. I've suddenly become obsessed with feedback mm. and if people don't give me good feedback I like force it out of them <laughs> so I started going to acting classes and when people don't give me feedback like I want they're like yeah it's good I'm like yeah but but tell me more like w- what could I improve like what did you like what didn't you like and I like <laughs> when people don't give me the feedback I need I'm like come on just just give it to me and when I was trying to get some feedback from from Katie Coombs and she was like yeah it was good I was like oh Halima usually rips into me. You know, you can be a bit more harsh if you like, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can take it. I've actually found that it's really (laughs) useful to pre-frame, I'm a confident person, I want to improve, nothing you can say will hurt me, or it will, but then like, I'll deal with it, I'm a big boy, it's okay. So it's actually that piece of pre-framing it that you're okay with the harsher feedback, because I really think it's actually quite awkward for the person giving you feedback to go into those uncomfortable moments. And nearly all humans are wired to avoid uncomfortable moments. Like we're designed for comfort. We love comfort. So giving feedback of how to improve is actually really quite difficult because you like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to tell this person they were a bit rubbish here. How are they going to react? Am I going to get bad bad reaction as it going to cause weirdness in our relationship i don't want to affect our relationship by giving bad feedback so i'm just going to tell them i love it even if i don't and that's actually the worst thing you can do for yourself for them but it's the most comfortable thing you can do do you do the pre-framing laura do you do that sort of like you can't help me hurt me i just want to learn i need to get better hit me with the bits that didn't feel right tell me that's what I did to Katie for sure. That's why I was saying to her, I was like, oh, Halima usually rips into me. She says it as it is. She tells me all the terrible stuff. Like it just helps me learn. It helps me get better. Like I want to learn. I want to be better. I love that. Did Katie then open up and give you more? Yeah, she did. She gave me um, some amazing advice. Like She was like, so I wasn't setting the times. I was like, oh, we're going to have a, a break. And I, I was forgetting to say like, we're going to go from this time to this mm. time. Like, And she told me to take control more. And straight away I did it. And then the next day it was, I took full control and it was amazing. And I improved massively. I love that. That's exactly how to do it as well. Because you get the feedback and you can just implement it the next day. That changes everything. And it's the speed of that cycle feedback test implement feedback test implement and you go around that cycle getting better and better and the quicker you can do it the quicker things improve and she's right about the feedback you train the audience (laughs) you train the audience to respond it makes a huge difference so what an episode it's really fascinating i think i've got some thoughts for the audience that i would love to share the question i'm going to ask you laura like Number one, where can people find Rebel Book Club? How do they find it? How do they join up? Do you have an idea of what the next book is, what you're focused on, and that sort of stuff? I think that's my first question for you. So you can find the book club on Facebook. So if you search for the Rebel Book Club or it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Rebel Book Club, and that will get you there. The next book, we don't know what we're doing, but we always stay along the theme of self-development, business, anything that helps us grow. So anything, it could be food, it could be business, money, development. (laughs) I love that. And I guess my second question for you is what tips would you give someone to help them get the most out of a book they're reading? Because we all get recommended books what tips would you give someone to help them get the most out of the book they're currently reading? 
I started getting the most out of my books because I listen and and loads of people who listen to books have said this to me. When I'm listening, I don't take it in the same. Mm. And it's because when you read a book, you sit down, you take the time and you're processing. So if you're listening to a book, you need to do the same. You need to sit down and listen to it and process it. And I always write things down. And whether I look back at the notes or not, it really helps me remember. But what I do is I write them down and I organize them in OneNote, as taught by Alan. <laughs> Other notebooks are available. So, Please feel free to use any one you wish. <laughs> I don't get anything from promoting Microsoft OneNote. Microsoft, you should be paying me for the amount I promote you anyway. For sure. So I, I break it up and I, I put like every book I've read is now in my OneNote. So if I want to go back, I can go back and I've got little notes on it. And I started doing that. I think I started doing it in the pandemic and it's amazing. I love that. I love that. Laura Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, if people wanted to find out more about you and your coaching and what you do, where do they find you? Um, so my blog is called love your damn self and that's at love your damn <laughs> What a great title. And that's, that's telling everyone. <laughs> I love that. And the closing message from me today is nothing changes until you do. And that's the weirdest sentence ever, because we spend our time trying to change everything else. We change other people, we change our business, we change the world, we change everything else except us. And nothing really changes until you do. So read the book and change the way you act, change the way you sell, change the way you do things, change the way you think. If you can do that, the world is your oyster and the changes you make in yourself will be reflected in the world around you. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Go out there, change, have fun, sell, make money, and make the world a better place. So I have a big announcement coming up, and I have here with me my wife, Katie Donegan, on the show. Hello, husband, Alan Donegan. <laughs> Say hello to all the rebel entrepreneurs out there in the world building their businesses. I feel very privileged to be here. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's exciting and about right at the height of the pandemic, wasn't it? You and I conceived of the idea of a course to help people take control of their finances. Like, why did we do that? Well, we knew that people were in a pickle with their money and we had time on our hands and we thought, why don't we use this time that we've got to help people that need help getting their money in order? And we were trapped in a house. <laughs> Just the two of us. So what better way, I don't know if you remember this, but I wrote an article on my blog that is, what could you create? What could you create with that time? Because just people were spending so much time on Netflix and watching television. A couple of people posted that they'd completed Netflix. I'm like, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. But Katie and I decided to design a 10-week finance course. Uh, and, well, what is it, Katie? Well, it's a completely free 10-week online course that takes you right from the beginning of getting your finances in order. So how much do you spend each month? Do you even know? How much money do you have? Where is it? What kind of pots is it in? Is it in tax-advantaged accounts? What are the fees on it? All these sorts of things. Um, are you in debt? If so, how to get out of debt? The ways that companies try and get you into debt, they are so cheeky. Cheeky, cheeky, mischievous, bad sales companies. We Not that I teach people how to do <laughs> 
this on this podcast. Uh, we talk about how to talk to the people in your life that are important to you about money because we know it can be such a divisive topic. And then later in the course, week six onwards, we get on to investing and how to start building wealth. You all know my backstory with my dad, the $5 million of debt, the fighting to keep the family home and all that jazz. And I never want it to happen to anyone else. And if we can help people get in control of their finances and start investing, and especially when you're talking about the cost of living a crisis and high inflation, like there's never been a more important time to be in control of your finances. And it puts you in an unbelievable place of confidence. And these are the same skills that you would use for your business as you would use for your personal life. It's the same thing. You need to manage your business finances just as you do your personal finances. And as you probably know, Rebel Business School has always been free. So Katie and I just put Rebel Finance School on. We just gave it away. Yeah, it's our way of giving back and helping people because we've seen the pain firsthand that families can go through if they don't have their finances in order. And we just want to help as many people as we can. So this is version four, or affectionately known as RFS 22 for 2022. Uh, we're doing one of these this year, and it will be the first day of the course on the 23rd of May. But we have a bit of a new innovation to help with time zones this Ooh, year. We're very innovative. I know. A lot of people on previous courses said, oh, that's great. I can't come along, though. The time zone don't work or I'm working or whatever. Um, we will be streaming to YouTube live. So for the duration of the course, the content will be available. You'll be able to catch up on any sessions that you've missed. And yeah, we are being so innovative, Alan. I know. Last year, we had about... 400 people each week to the course and it was amazing because we had uh, a bunch of people from the USA who were tuning in at lunchtime, a bunch of people from England tuning in at 8pm and then a bunch of New Zealanders, hello to the New Zealand fans of the show, they were tuning in at 7am the next morning to tell us how the future is and whether the market <laughs> went up and down uh, and we had I think one person from Liechtenstein. Yes, we do love our Liechtenstein fans. Shout out to Liechtenstein. So join one of the most global groups of people all trying to figure out how to look after their finances. It's our way of giving back. If you want to sign up, if you want to come along, you can Google Rebel Finance School or just go to rebelfinanceschool.com, stick in your details and come along. And if I could ask you to do one thing for me, please share it. Like this is better done together. If you have got a wife, a husband, a partner, invite them to do it with you because money is the single biggest reason for divorce. And we want to save people going through those problems. If you've got your family, bring them along. Shout out to the McFlips of Canada. They came along as a family last year, which was amazing. And you might be thinking that this isn't relevant for you. Maybe you're already well on the path to financial independence or you are financially independent, but I'm sure there are people in your life that need help with this. So please share it with them. Friends, family, the cat, the dog, anyone, the more the merrier. <laughs> we would love to help people take control of their finances. So just go to rebelfinanceschool.com, sign up or send it to your friends and we would love to help you. Thanks for tuning in to the Rebel Finance School. 
You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.